0: have your Bibles turned back to Mark chapter 15. We'll continue where we left off and probably only cover one point. You know, a lot of churches, when they have Lord's Supper, they don't have preaching. They just have uh, Lord's Supper, but I believe we ought to have preaching every time door's open. Amen? Every time. Amen? Uh, we got time. Amen? We got a lot of time. Matter of fact, it's earlier than it's ever been before. Amen? We'll have so much daylight wasting time after we get out of here. We won't know what to do. Amen? We can go on a scavenger hunt or, or Uh, do anything, amen, go work in the garden, don't do that on Sunday, but um, thank the Lord for the cross, and thank the Lord for your presence tonight. Uh, We had a record attendance in Sunday school this morning, Uh, we hadn't had a crowd like that since Mother's Day, and so I was really encouraged, and then to see Eli get saved, that's what it's all about, amen, Uh, but we uh, this morning started this series, and um, we entitled it At the Cross. And the first uh, couple of messages is on the crowd around the cross. And I think it typifies exactly uh, a lot of crowds that are around today. Uh, there's the careless in verse 17 uh, through 19. Uh, they were just careless. They clothed him with a purple robe and plaited a crown of thorns upon his head and they began to salute him as hail king of the Jews. And verse 19 says, and they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him, and bowing their knees, worshiped him. Folks, that that is false worship, mockery, and respite. I can't think of a greater insult than being spit upon. Uh, He had more uh, control and more meekness than any man that's ever walked this earth, and they better be glad. Those boys that uh, spit on him should have realized They wouldn't have had any saliva, they wouldn't have had any breath, they wouldn't have any sense, uh, which they didn't have much of, uh, unless the Lord blessed them, amen, and uh, they wouldn't have one breath, one heartbeat without God. Aren't you glad that God's been good to you through this uh, time? And folks, we should not be um, uh, at at least uh, uh, careless at all about what we think of Christ, and how we ought to worship. We ought to worship with a purpose. And then second of all, the casual. Verse 21, it says they compelled Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the fall of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And here's a man that's on the sidelines, gets involved by looking to the eyes of Jesus and seeing the heart of God, and uh, and was compelled to be committed and to be a... Uh, uh, a carrier of the cross. And thank God we need more commitment. But tonight, I'd like to start with verse 22 and read through verse 29. You'll stand in honor the Word of God. Verse 22 through 29, we'll see another crowd around the cross. Uh, not just the careless and the casual, but I see a cruel crowd. I see a crowd that's so materialistic and so humanistic and so carnal and and full of covetousness, that they gamble for the very robe of our Lord. And the Bible says in verse 22, it says, And they bring unto him a place called Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of the skull. They gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. He didn't want a sedative. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots, Upon them and every man should take and it was the third hour and they crucified him. and a superscription of his accusation was written over over the king of the Jews and with him they crucified two thieves, one on the right hand, the other on the left. and the scripture was fulfilled which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him and wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildeth it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking, saying among the themselves with the scribes, He saved others. Himself, He cannot save. Let's read on just a minute. And let Jesus, uh, let Christ, the King of the Israel, descend now, from the cross, and that, he may see, that we may see and believe, and they that were crucified with him reviled him. Let's pray and ask God to help us as we discover a few more crowds around the cross, a few more people that are eternally regretful that they didn't realize who was on that center cross. Father, thank you, God, for the good song. Lord, we do want to magnify and. Uh, Reflect your presence in everything we do. God, thank you for the privilege of coming on this early Sunday afternoon, time change Sunday, and see such a good congregation. Thrills my heart to see so many people here to hear the word of God and to take the Lord's Supper and to worship your holy name. God, we, may we never be casual about it. and May we never be careless about who you are. And God, help us not to de evolve into being some cruel, selfish, gambling our life away for the things of this world and overlook the person that could give us everything we really need. And so, Lord, bless your word tonight and bless your people as they receive your word. Bless those that are listening by way of internet. And God, I pray that you'd bless this message for the furtherance of the gospel, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want you to notice in verse 22, they brought him to a place called the place of a skull, and they say that outside the city was a place that they executed criminals. And folks, uh, the thing that he was guilty of was not just claiming that he was a king, but that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But I see some very foolish people at the foot of this cross. And I see that um, something that I've noticed in verse 23 that he didn't want a sedative uh, and he he wasn't concerned about his physical pain. He was agonizing for your sin and my sin. And I think about the physical suffering on the cross uh, doctors have analyzed it and said literally it would, uh, burst the heart and water would come out the side and all kinds of medical, uh, things. The scourging, how much blood you'd lose and, and how it would just, uh, most a lot, a lot of people would die and the, the, the lashes would even go to the inner organs and rip the organs out and, and rip an eye out and it was a terrible, excruciating physical pain. But I want to tell you something, friend. It was also emotional pain. Because the ones that he came to, to seek and to save rejected him, his own people. The Jews cried out crucify him. Maybe they were part of the people that were spitting on him and I hope they weren't the people that were gambling for his robe. But then there was the spiritual pain. Folks, our sins weighed much more than the old rugged cross. And, and folks, more than the physical pain and more than the emotional pain, there was the spiritual pain of him who knew no sin becoming sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Before, thank God, you can have a, be a new creature in Christ, you need to realize who Christ is and realize he died in your place and he didn't uh, shuck the pain one bit. Matter of fact, he became sin who knew no sin. You say, preacher, explain that I can't. You can't either. You can't trace God. You must trust him. Say amen. But I know with a fact that it was efficient and it was sufficient and it was final and the blood is enough. But I want you to notice in verse 24, this cruel, callous crowd. I mean, they were more concerned about the nasty now and now than the eternal sweep by and by. And they're probably burning in hell today because of their gambling for the immediacy. They sacrificed the eternal on the altar of immediate. They wanted the robe now. They wanted things now. And I want you to look at this in verse 24. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them that whatever man should take. Now I don't know he didn't have much but somebody took the time to 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 uh design and and make a beautiful unseen robe and it was precious probably to them probably caught, uh was worth a lot of money and so they started gambling they started gambling uh and casting lots I am not know Uh, I don't know what exactly casting lots is. Maybe it's something like the lottery and they all just, you know, drew straws. I don't know what it was. But I know one thing is that it's a shame and disgrace that people are gambling their life away with the things of this world at the foot of the cross. That in light of Calvary, we're still grasping for the things of this world. And folks, I want to tell you something. There's nothing in this world that uh, will satisfy your eternal soul and nothing in this world that can buy you your eternal destiny. Only the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sins, amen. And folks, these possessions were so important to them that they sacrificed the eternal. I think of Judas who sold Jesus out in John 13 and we see the story of him uh, selling, selling himself out, and then he was so miserable that he went out and committed suicide. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. He found out that uh, there's nothing that you can get or gain to satisfy your longing in your soul for a relationship with the Lord. He walked and talked and maybe even served with Jesus, but he never was of Jesus, and he never believed in Jesus, or he'd have never done that. And then I see folks when I think about these these thieves gambling at the foot of the cross. These, these excuse me these these soldiers, uh, these paid workers to uh, carry out the crucifixion. I think about how foolish it was. I want you to look at Luke chapter twelve just for a few moments, and I won't be long tonight. And I appreciate you coming because some of you already look sleepy and uh, you need to stay awake to at least 10, but I want you to see this in Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, and I want you to look at verse 16. Uh, We need to go back to verse 15. It says, and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the crave for more that you don't have or don't learn. And don't deserve. It says, For a man's life consists not of the abundance of things which he possesses. How many people sold out and sold their soul for another dollar? I mean, folks, people don't even come to church today because they've got something fun to do or some more money to make. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. They're sacrificing some real peace and real joy and things money cannot buy by selling out to the world. Look at verse 16. And he spake a parable. That's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Never satisfied. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruit and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for me in many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But Listen to this. But God said to him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. These men gambling for one piece of apparel, one robe, it's so foolish. And folks, there's a crowd around the cross that's doing exactly that. They think it's their barns. They think it's their life. And they think it's their goal. And they sacrifice everything that's precious that money cannot buy. And they end up like this man in this parable saying to his soul, who was he praying to? Himself. Because he had nobody else to pray for. And he tore down the barns and built bigger ones. That tells me that he was motivated by pride and greed. These soldiers in the same category. And then I see back in our text, in uh, another group of cruel, selfish, unbelievers around the cross and they passed by and railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyeth the temple and buildeth in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking, saying, Among themselves with the scribes. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Now, folks, I want you to see the religious crowd. Folks, it's an awful execution. Sometimes they they would say that uh, people would uh, suffocate, and that's why they broke the thieves' um, legs so they would suffocate. They came to Jesus, and as the Bible prophesied, no man broke his bones. And, folks, he had already given his life. Nobody took his life. He gave his life. Amen. He could have called 10,000 angels. I'll get to that in just a minute. He could have called one angel and wiped out that crowd. Amen. Because angels, when they showed up in the Old Testament, it was death day for a lot of people. Amen. And I want you to know, folks, it was an awful execution, physical and emotional. But here's the crime that he was being crucified for, that he is the king that he is the king. And folks, John 19, 20, Pilate wrote in three languages what is the truth. Look at John chapter 19 real quick in verse 20. And what a powerful chapter John 19 is about about the crucifixion. I read that before the Lord's Supper last month. But in verse 20, or excuse me, back in verse 19, and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And it was written, uh, was Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews? This title then read, many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to city. It was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. And look at the reaction. And then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate. Write not the, the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. And I like this. Pilate answered and said, what I have written, I have written. Folks, three languages. Three languages. And I know that probably Pilate was just wanting those three languages because that was the three major languages of the day, but I believe maybe the Holy Spirit had something else in mind. Because, see, the Greek language is the language of culture of that day. And then the Latin language is the language of government of that day. And the Hebrew was the language of religion of that day. And I believe the Holy Ghost was saying he's king of all culture. He's king of all society. He's king of all government. And our government in a mess today. I almost got in the flesh yesterday when I spent $43 for of uh, one tank of gas and had 20 cents off at the Kroger discount I said, well, God bless the USA. We're really doing good now. Say amen. You say, that's political. No, that's pitiful. It's pitiful. Folks, I'll tell you, God ain't blessing unrighteousness. God's not blessing abortion. God's not blessing same-sex marriage. God's not blessing transgender, what in the world that is, abomination of God. God's not going to bless that. We better get used to it because, folks, listen, there's going to come a judgment. And I believe the rapture is gonna take place any minute and we're out of here, but I wanna tell you something, folks. He's still king of kings of all government. And I don't care, uh, I do care, but I'm telling you, no matter how bad it gets, God's still good, amen? And God can still take care of his people. And God can still take care of his church, amen? And folks, I wanna tell you something. I feel sorry for people that are dependent upon the president or the vice president. God help us. The legislation, or the Supreme Court, or any government, for your welfare. Come on, we're not entitled for anything. I'll tell you this, friend. Just go down to Venezuela and see what socialism will do to you. I got a missionary there that has to wait in line for for three days for a tank of gas, and and four days for a bottle of water, and practically starving. His people are starving. In Venezuela. And so, friend, if you think man has the plan and man has the remedy for your problem, you got another thought coming. He's king of kings and lord of lords, amen, and the government will be upon his shoulders one day. Say amen. Amen. Thank God. Vote on that one. Then he's the king of religion. And I believe, folks, he's king of kings and he's lord of lords. On Palm Sunday, he came riding in on a donkey. What a humble man. He was emulating and not imitating because he's not an imitation of anything when the king come in triumphant. It was a triumphant entry. Praise God, I'm telling you one day, just wait and see. We're coming with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We're going to be riding white horses. I've never been good at riding horses Last time I had a bad experience riding horses was about 30 years ago. I hadn't been on one since, except the one at the Western Sizzler that you put a quarter in to help my grandchildren stay on. And I'm glad nobody in our church walked in when I was trying to stay on that, that horse. But I want to say this, friend. God help us to get excited about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and seven years before the rapture of the church. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords, and the king is coming. Friday might have been a horrible day, but Sunday is a coming, say amen. The Up from the grave he arose, amen. And folks, there was pain and agony, but Sunday is coming. And folks, there was a lot of jeering and a lot of gambling and a lot of je- a wagging of the head and, and blaspheming, but I'm telling you, Sunday is coming. And up from the grave he'll rise. And thank God he'll sin 40 days later after 500 people see him And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Then every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There'll be no more gambling at the foot of the cross. There'll be no more wagging of the head, no more blaspheming, saying, if you saved others, save yourself. And folks, here's the crime. They were up and down, wagging side to side in verse 29. But I want you to look at verse 29. And it says this. "Ah, thou that destroyeth the temple... And build it in three days. They were mocking him and what he said in John chapter 2, I believe it is. Yes, verse 14. In John chapter 2, Jesus is preaching. I mean, he's letting it rip. I like it when a preacher gets excited about the message, and he is the message. In John chapter 2, if you want to turn there real quick, verse 14, the Bible says this, and it said and and, and the Jews, verse 13, and the Jews' Passover was at hand and Jesus went up to the Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of money. They better be glad that Jesus was on the cross because he don't put up with money changing around the foot of the cross, but he allowed it that day. And he says he found the temple, excuse me, and when he had made a scourge of, with a small cord, he got a little whip and he started cleaning the house. He drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and the poured out change changers' monies and overthrew the table. See, what they were doing was getting rich on the sacrifices. They were selling sacrifices at a high exorbitant price of those that had to make a sacrifice on this Passover. And listen to this. And they said to them that sold the doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. That's why a lot of people are afraid to ask a preacher if they can sell albums in the hallway. That has nothing to do with it. Folks, what they were doing, they were getting rich on the on the religion. But look at verse 17 real quick. I know you're sleeping. I'm trying to be brief. It says, and the disciples remembered it is written, the zeal of, the, of thine house shall eaten, uh, hath eaten me up. And he answered the Jews and said to them, What sign showest thou that thou seest that thou doest these things? And Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, listen now, and in three days I will, ri- I will raise it up. And then said the Jews, Forty and six years was the temple of the, of built, this big beautiful building. It took a long time to build it, 46 years. And will thou rear it up in three days? And look at verse 21. But he spake of the temple of his body. and Therefore he was risen from the dead. His disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. and They believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had said. Folks, they, don't get, they didn't get it and they didn't listen to the good teaching and preaching of Jesus. He said, three days later, I'm gonna I'm gonna overcome death, hell, and the grave for you. I am God, deity. But what I do at the cross will be receded when I come up from the grave. Say amen. And folks, I want you to know this, folks, that they mocked him and said, Hey, look at it. In verse 29, the last phrase is just an explicit mock of what he said that day. And he said, he said, they said this. They said they said in verse 29, Ah, thou that destroyeth the temple and buildeth it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that he may see and believe and They that were crucified with him reviled him too. Now, folks, I want to close with saying this. They were laughing and mocking. He says he saved others. and He can't save himself. They were right and they were wrong. They were right in saying that he saved others. Think about the blind, the deaf. He raised people from the dead and he saved others. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. And what they were wrong about was... Um, they said saved. It was all past tense. Look at verse 31. Likewise, also the chief priests said among themselves and the children, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. And folks, I want you to see that they didn't understand that he was saving the world. He was the propitiation. First John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 for their sins. He satisfied the justice of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so it wasn't over the saving. It was just beginning. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. He cannot save himself. They were partly right. But really they should have said he would not save himself. They wouldn't. He would he could have. He was the greatest speaker that ever that ever lived. He could have had diplomacy. He could appeal to the mob, or he could have called ten thousand angels and stop that crowd. And in in but he would not. He would not. Verse thirty-two is a good idea. It said, "Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross. That we may see and believe." And they were, and they that were crucified with him reviled him also. And they're a bunch of liars. If he'd come down from that cross, they still would not have believed. And folks, if he had come down from that cross, let me just say this. It wouldn't have done any good if they had believed because he stayed on that cross to purchase your salvation. In Acts chapter 6, it said that many priests got saved because the word of God was multiplied and the Holy Ghost filled the the preaching of the cross. In Acts chapter 2, Peter was a coward. Praise God, he got right with God, say amen. And he became filled with the spirit of God and he preached and I believe it was 3,000. 3,000 was saved in one service. And the miracle was that Peter the coward became a courageous preacher. But what was his message? I ain't got time to get there. But he was saying, hey, listen, you bunch of Jews, you bunch of religionists, you have crucified and nailed him to the cross and you're guilty and you need to get saved. (laughs) And 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 he rose from the dead and he's alive. That was Peter's message. Praise God, a lot of people got saved. And so folks, I'm glad he didn't come down. Aren't you? I'm glad that he bore the shame he bore the reproach, but he did much more than that. I'm glad that he bore my sins at Calvary. He could have saved himself, but he would not. And if he could have, if he came down that cross, you wouldn't be saved. Those sorry thieves, that sorry thief wouldn't have been saved. And every religionist wouldn't get saved. And folks would all be going to hell. But Jesus took my place. Aren't you glad? Aren't you so grateful that he didn't come down? Aren't you glad that he didn't succumb to the wagging and the blasphemy and the, and the, and the scourge vocally of those religionists? And aren't you glad that even though people gamble every day of their life with the things of this world, they grasp for things. I want to tell you something, they got so many gods before God. I mean, all their blessings. It was a blessing they had a body to put a robe on. It was a blessing they were alive. And folks, we take our blessings, and sometimes they become our gods. Our family, our marriage should never come before God. Our wealth, our health should never come before God. And folks, I believe that it's a terrible plight today that there's a crowd going out for entertainment on the Lord's Day. There's a crowd that proclaim that today is the day to have fun. It's the day to skip church, and it's a day of rest, and it's relaxation, and fun, and recreation. Folks, I'm gonna tell you something. This is God's day, and this is the resurrection day, And I thank God that we can come worship tonight and take the Lord's Supper and not gamble our lives away with the things of this world but stay at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, you're all that I need. You're all I need. And I'm content with you. Don't be fools. Don't build your own barns. Don't think it's your goods. Don't think it's even your life. What? Know you not that you're bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are the Lord's. You're not your own. And Folks, God has blessed you to ultimately bless His holy name, not gamble your life away grasping for the things of this world. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for the opportunity to look at other people's mistakes and not make the same. A careless crowd, a callous crowd, a cruel crowd around the cross. May we not be a part of that. May we, dear God, realize at the cross, at the cross, where we first saw the light, and the burden of our heart rolled away. Let us realize it was there by faith that we received our sight. And now, dear God, because of your holiness, and your blessings, we're happy all the day. Lord, help us. Help us, dear God, to never take for granted what you did on that lonely day Calvary's hill. May we not grasp for the things of this world and definitely not put the things of this world before you. But God worship you with all that we have, all that we are because we love you and we appreciate you and we thank you for saving our unworthy souls and give us riches that the world, the culture, the government, religion, Could never give us. Thank you, Lord, for Calvary. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I know the message has been brief tonight, but I thank God for the point. And that point is that we need to stay focused on the Savior, that we need to worship Him in spirit and truth, and that all that God has done in our life that it dare not come to a point of covetousness. A point of putting that before God. or Putting someone before God. Be so appreciative the Lord saved us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment of invitation. Is there anyone in here that say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. If I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. And I'm concerned about my soul to say that religion's not enough and my works are not enough but I believe the blood is enough and I need to be sure that I'm saved and I want you to pray for me. Don't you let pride keep you back. I'm so glad that Brother Randy got saved out in the parking lot. and I'm so glad that Brother Darrell, after teaching Sunday school here for years, said, hey, listen, I don't know the Lord and got saved. And folks, I'm not saying that you ought to doubt your salvation but you ought to be sure of it you ought to know that you're saved. And your life should show it. But is there anyone in here that say, Preacher, I'm just not sure? I want you to pray for me. The preacher of the cross will bring conviction. Is there anyone? Say, preacher, pray for me. Anyone? You might be religious and you might be good. You might be a good person. But your goodness and your religion is not enough. For why did Jesus have to die? Have me say, preacher, I don't want to be that casual Christian either. I definitely don't want to be that gambling person and try to gamble my life away and put other things before God and focus on the things I can have and grasp now. And I just want to draw closer to God. And I want to live more appreciative. And I want to be more committed. I want to be more faithful in light of Calvary. And I want you to please pray for me. Could you slip your hand up and say, I need that in my life? God bless you. All over this place. I gotta raise both my hands. I just know I need to surrender more. And I need to not let anything get in the way of my worship daily. And yielding to the Spirit. Father, thank you for the message. Thank you for this powerful chapter. God, may we not be foolish and gambling our lives away trying to get more of the things of this world God may we sell out may we surrender all that you've given us and Lord we know that every good and perfect gift coming from above that if we have any blessings it's because you blessed us God may we return those blessings at your feet may we dear God become your disciple bear your cross bear your shame, bear your name, and proudly and thankfully praise your name for Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.